Welcome to Roadcase, the podcast that explores the live music experience. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Josh Rosenberg, and I'll be taking you on a journey through in-depth interviews with performers and key people in the industry to explore the magic of live music, how it can be totally transformative for both fans and performers, and we'll look at how they take it all out on the road. It's going to be a great ride, so here we go. Hey, welcome back to Roadcase, everybody. This is your host, Josh Rosenberg. I am psyched, as always, to be here, and especially psyched because I have Scott Hatchie of the Magic Beans on the show today. Uh, he has been such a war- road warrior for so long. Uh, he's such a great guy. I'm really happy to be here uh, with him and have a chance to chat with Scott. If you're here on Roadcase for the first time to listen to me and Scott talk, welcome to the Roadcase community. If you are a regular and returning listener, thanks so much for your support. I'm so psyched to have you along for this ride and really happy that you're here for this really great chat I had with Scott Hatchie. There's a number of different ways that you can get involved with the Roadcase community. So many of those ways also help out the show. Uh, primarily, if you can follow us on social media, uh, especially Instagram, our handle is at RoadcasePod. That really helps out the show. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, and concerns about Roadcase, you can email us at info at RoadcasePod.com, and you can find out more information about the show by visiting our website at www.roadcasepod.com casepod.com. A really quick and easy way to help support Roadcase. If you love this podcast and want to help out, uh, you can follow this podcast on your favorite listening platform. So if you're on Spotify, that little box that says follow, you just click that. If you're on Apple Podcasts, there's a check mark up in the upper right-hand corner. Uh, click those. Uh, not only helps the show, it's quick and easy to do, and you'll also get updates as to when new episodes go live. And if you could also rate Roadcase, that is really helpful for the show as well. If you if you love the show and and you're here and been along for the ride, even if you're you're a new listener, uh, if you can help uh, help us out by reviewing on Spotify, just the homepage of Road. Case. There's a little box with a star on it. Just hit that. Uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts, scroll down a little bit. There's a bunch of stars. Just click a whole bunch of those, and you can even leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out, and I appreciate your support. So I'm really happy to have Scott Hatchie of the Magic Beans. Scott shreds guitar for this amazing jam band. Uh, they just got back from their set. Uh, brief tour in April and their set at summer camp in Illinois. Uh, Scott's just got a really great vibe, super optimistic, um, really positive attitude. I love chatting with Scott. Uh, really hardworking. They do tons of touring. He's been at this for quite a while. He's got a really positive mental attitude about things, says that the most difficult thing about being a musician is dealing with adversity, whether it be uh, different capacities, uh, different number of fans showing up, playing different venues, being on the road, uh, the van breaking down, what have you. It's kind of just the way that you handle those sort of things and uh, uh, really interesting mental outlook. Um, he says it's just really, really difficult and just I, I – completely empathize with him, but he's just got this really great attitude. You'll hear all about that. Um, they got a new album coming out, Unzipped. It's an instrumental album. It's going to be out on July 6th, kind of a new one-off direction for these guys. Um, 
Really great jams. Really love the vibe. A new single just came out on June 17th. Uh, it's called Embrace. Scott also produces organizes and manages magic beans a festival called beanstalk it's in colorado just um just near vale colorado it's on june 23rd and 26th and it's going to feature uh, it's three nights of music three sets uh one set each night by magic beans uh other sets by dopapod two sets by aqueous uh, main squeeze will be there cycles ton of great vibes and really beautiful place if you want more information on that you can check out magic beans website uh they'll also be touring around this summer as well and of course on july 6th their new instrumental album called unzipped will be released really looking forward to that so thanks again for being here on Roadcase. really happy that you're here for this one and i want to send a special thank you to scott hatchie of the magic beans for being here on this episode of Roadcase. and here we go Scott, dude, so good to see you again, man. Welcome to Roadcase, brother. It's good to be here. Good to see you as well, man. Yeah, it's been a while, right? So I saw you guys uh, at Shuba's, I guess. Uh, I always, whenever I think back at like the shows, like where did I see somebody play? I think whether I had a heavy coat on or not, and I can't remember. What year, what, what month was that? <laughs> it was in the fall, I think, or no? Yeah, was it, it, was, uh, it was just about the end of October. Oh, okay. So yeah. I think you may have been wearing like a light jacket. Yeah, media, depending on like how far away I parked, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like the determination, fa- the determining factor in Chicago. It's like, okay, where do I have to park? And can I wear a coat? Like, it's so fucked up, man. <laughs> um, but uh, you guys have just been killing it, man. You um, you guys were just at uh, at summer camp last weekend, right? How was that? Just let's like, like yeah, we sure get will. right into it. Sure were. Um, it was awesome. I mean, summer camp is is a zoo. I mean, there's just so much music and stage and a lot of fans and stuff. So it's always fun going into that energy, um, especially after you know the whole shutdown and whatnot and the slower summer back uh, last summer. Yeah, it really was like a breath of fresh air to kind of get back boots on the ground at, at these big <laughs> festivals and um, we had a good turnout at our set and yeah. and that was great and got to like. You know, see a lot of uh, musicians. Like the the musician hang there is really good. So we got to see some some dudes we haven't seen out on the road. And, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, and then we hightailed it to another festival called Revival Festival, which is a newer one. It was in Minnesota. Oh wow! Three nights of string cheese and stuff. So oh nice. I saw a bunch of great music too. Not even just not even just played some, but got to see a bunch. It was a treat. Yeah, yeah. Shit's just frenetic right now with like everything that's going on. It's 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 bonkers, man. It is. <laughs> And they got that Sacred Road Fe- Rose Festival here in Chicago at the end of August, which is bringing a ton of great bands here. Um, yeah, it's just it's just amazing. I love the mix of bands on Sacred Rose. Yeah, well, that's an incredible lineup. Um, yeah. You know, so they're not really going to be those bands aren't going to really be stopping in Chicago over the summer, but it's, you know, in, on their own separate tours. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's a great weekend to just catch everything that you, that you want to see, you know, hopefully <laughs> it's a one stop shop. Hopefully it'll be good weather, guys. you know? <laughs> yeah. That's what you hope for with those outdoor events for sure. Yeah. And then you guys just finished, uh, just talk about like current events. I mean, you guys just finished up in uh, like a spring tour right through in April, mostly in April, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, we yeah, did like yeah. a four weeker there, and yeah, I got to hit some of those haunts for the first our favorite venues for the first time since since pandemic. It was awesome. 
Yeah. What's that like to kind of just sort of like, well, we're back at, I'm back at home on the road basically, right? For you? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Definitely. Uh, in some ways it felt like we, we hadn't missed a beat. And then in some ways it was like my road stamina was not there. I, I think after the first gig, like we all got down like on our knees and we we're like, <laughs> like, like it was exhausting and we we're yeah. like, all right, only 22 more to go. <laughs> right, right. But yeah. uh, we caught our stride, and, and uh, yeah, it's great to get back to, like, some of these venues and, and see familiar faces, like, just the staff. We, You know, after touring for so long, those people become your friends and family. And, totally. And you're really invested in, in their well-being as well, so it was good to check in and, and know that these venues are still open and whatnot, so. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, I don't—I think it was sort of um, kind of the industry was— it, it kind of seemed like there was going to be more closures. Unfortunately, there have been several closures, and I'm sure things are pretty dire for those that are staying open still. But yeah. I hope these venues are making money. People people that are listening, buy drinks, of course, buy merch, mm-hmm. <laughs> buy tickets. Um, but you Yeah, know, really buy hope your that tickets not- in advance, guys. We're done canceling shows. Go get your tickets. I know that was a big scare for people is like, and myself, you know, I had money wrapped up in so many shows because i'm a guy who buys in advance you know and because i don't want to get shut out and so it's so important now to get back and buy new (laughs) pre-sales yeah true because the numbers really help you as you go along right just knowing that you've got x amount of like buying at the door is not the best thing to do if you're a real fan of the band and you know you're going to be going to that show definitely don't 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 wait to buy at the door yeah i mean we've some people don't even know that sometimes the the venue itself will adjust things based on pre-sales so if pre-sales aren't going well you know they might even cut your bands like second set or shorten set times you know in, mm. in a way to save money and, and not staff overstaff the evening and stuff so if you really right, want right. to see the most of your favorite band and and all that and especially us uh younger bands um you definitely definitely want to buy in advance <laughs> yeah totally so were you um so this spring tour were you hitting different venues than you'd had in the hit in the fall and kind of over the winter just out of curiosity yeah yeah we we staggered it pretty good i I don't think i think we hit a few again and those are the ones that we had done with pigeons as support um mm-hmm. we were on tour the the last part of our Fall tour was with Pigeons, and we did about two weeks with them in some great venues in the Midwest, uh, heading back to Denver. So we went back through some of those towns, trying to like make sure they didn't forget about us right, and check right, in right, on them. And right. yeah, you're such a serious fucking road warrior, dude. It's it's amazing, <laughs> man. And just like the enthusiasm that you bring. When I, I when I came to Shuba's, I was floored like how you you guys lit up that place. And Shuba's, for those that don't know, I got a lot of Chicago listeners, so they're all well familiar with Shuba's. But it's about what is it like two hundred, maybe two hundred cap. I think it's two hundred cap. Yeah. Yeah. If you're like yeah, and, and you're you're stuffed pretty tight in there with two hundred. Um, this is a decent sized room. It's a really cool room. Um, but I, I was like, okay, what's this going to be like, you know? And how are they going to light this place up? And you guys lit the you put a whole fucking lighting rig. It was a major, major <laughs> psychedelic jam band experience of two sets, and the likes of which I've never seen at Shuba's. I mean, I've seen a lot of great acts at Shuba's, but um, you know, tons of solo acts, little, slightly quieter, some like more raucous. But 
um, to actually get like the full effect of what you guys do on stage as a jam band uh, and what you guys do in terms of sort of multimedia and well, not really multimedia, but I mean the full lights effect and everything. It was in that small room. It was a blast, dude. You guys crushed it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. That's yeah. really nice of you. We, we honestly felt really good about that show. Um, it's cool packing people in. We're definitely uh, into that vibe. We're, we're never, we're like chasing down bigger venues just, just for the hell of it or to like mm-hmm. kind of flex like, oh, we put our flag down in this venue. And that, that's obviously always fun to go play a big venue. But yeah, we find our, we play our best shows when everyone's kind of in there and, and until, you know, we're packing in those larger venues with as many people and the energies is that high. I, I love playing those smaller venues. And then we don't need to bring in the support and we can do the two set thing, like you said, and yeah. really like really set up like the full rig and and, and go for it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, totally. And you guys really, really did. I mean, um, Thanks, dude. Uh, yeah, I assume you're doing that at all the other events. I mean, that's that's like one show. You guys are doing this all the fucking time. And um, and it's really it's seriously impressive. It, it, it was amazing. But tell me a little bit about tell me about your the progression and what your mindset is. I mean, you're, you're talking to me about, OK, we're not really trying to reach for certain venues. Um, kind of you guys have been hitting the road for so many years really hard now what are your thoughts do you are you trying to move to bigger venues are you do you do, you do that when you can um i mean and uh you guys are also but that's not to say that you're not playing bigger venues you're you just came back from playing red rocks and uh and yeah so yeah i mean we get getting a, we, the vibe right I mean, we get a good taste for both man and i think that's part of the magic of the band i think um you know, we've been touring the a magic long time. Of the magic People, beans. Yeah, that's part of the magic of the beans. And yeah. uh, but we've been touring for a long time, man. Like we started as a college band and just kind of stuck around home playing gigs wherever. And then after that, we got pretty serious. And that was about five, six years ago now. Mm-hmm. So we've been touring about a hundred shows a year. And you know, I think when you're younger and and hungrier. Or just like dumber, <laughs> you, you try to like you try to juice it, and you're really trying to like climb this ladder, you know, and mm. and and you think like maybe the next step is to like play this bigger room, and like oh we got to get to this room, and it's just like now as as especially after COVID and with perspective, and as an older, more mature touring mm. musician, I just prefer to play the show that's right for us, and that means with like the promoter, how the people, the staff there are treating you all that stuff. We don't need to jump up to a big ticket venue and, and be out of our element um, just because we want to. Uh, we we kind of just want it to happen naturally. And and it has in some places, like you said, obviously here in Colorado, we've done the Ogden and the Mission and Red Rocks. And, and in some of the towns outside of here, we've moved up venues to, to the 500,000 cap venue, you know, and that's awesome. And then there's some towns where we just play for 200 people or less. And I think that's great too. And I'm, and I'm not trying to like let that bother me anymore. It was just, it it shouldn't at all. I feel very lucky when anyone just shows up to the gig and that's my mindset going out there to, to play the show and, and kind of send it the same every night, whether it's just at Shuba's or we're playing Red Rocks. It's, it, we really try to make it the same show every time, man. Yeah, totally. That's a great attitude. But um, does it has it ever bothered you to play like in a in a small you know if you're you're playing Ogden but then you're playing like a smaller venue in a different city? Sort of how do you kind of cope with that that possible mental? Is it has it ever been kind of a letdown for you? But it's on the, on the other hand, it sounds like you've got a really great attitude about it. Yeah, man. I think. 
sometimes uh, if you go in with with expectations, you can be let down. But like I said, we've been doing this a long time, man, and and that's that's just the thing of I'm we're musicians, and our mm. our job is to go and play. And, and honor the situation and the elements we're put into. And my job isn't to overanalyze turnout and stuff. And, and if that starts messing with my mindset and the music, then yeah. we're just down a bad hole. I don't want to go down. So yeah. it really does not bother me, man. I'm, I'm set on being a musician for my whole life. And I don't expect every time I plug in a guitar, there's going to be 1,500 people screaming my name. I'll go play at the bar tonight, and I'll go play at Ogden this weekend. And all that stuff is there. So I'm not really concerned, you know, man, I'm just out here making music. (laughs) Totally. I I mean, I just, Scott, I love your attitude, man. And I just, I I love your energy and I love your vibe. And, um, (laughs) yeah. Um, does, uh, so, so you want to get out there and you, it sounds like you, you just love your craft. You love your music. Um, and that's kind of the most important thing for you. You're up there, you're doing what you do with your, with your dudes and, and that's the craft that you want to uh, to just put forth into the into the world, and 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 however many people are watching is not really that important to you. Yeah, that's, I that's I, great. I don't. Yeah, I think so, man. I think, but at the same time, as as a person, you obviously want to reach more people. Like I'm not saying we have no agenda or goals, you know. But it's it's important to not get that stuff wrapped. I think it's assumed that that you know we're going to do our best to promote the show and the band and the band mm. will grow at the rate that it does. Yeah. And, and I think the more I've got caught in trying to fast track what we're doing and, and jump over things that we're not ready for is just, it's just a bad thing for the band. So just let it roll. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, I, I, I don't want to drive home a fact of like small venues versus large venues, but I think oh, that yeah. the angle here is that you're, you're practicing your craft and you're super happy at what you're doing. And that vibe comes off the stage, no matter how big that stage is. It's, it's, it's really, it's really wonderful. Thanks. And that, that, that's like a positive that's, that's just going to bring, bring more people eventually to, to, to the beans, Fully. to the beans garden, basically. That's actually something we were talking about too. It, it caught me up. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's amazing, man. And I think it's so cool that now we're finally connecting and doing this podcast. I I definitely have been listening since we met in oh, Chicago, totally. Thanks, so it's really Thanks, cool. And you're a great interviewer. I was really excited for this one in particular because it seems like just a good hang, very natural, not not any like really basic questions. We're just hanging out and and stuff. So well, I, I love that. Pressure's on now for me, man. No. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I guess one last thing on that thing is for fans that are listening to the Magic Beans, is something exciting that's going to be happening on our next tour is we're actually going to be embracing that atmosphere more with the staying in the small venues. We have a couple of venues that we we're growing to the size of and we could upgrade, but instead of doing that, we're going to try to multiply the days of our stay at the venue and do more multiple oh, night totally, runs totally. on the next tour. So that's something we've never got to do as much. So it's kind of exciting. Yeah, and you just came off like was that Winter Rundergrass where you guys did like four? You played four consecutive nights. <laughs> that was uh, our we called it the Getaway, which is one of our songs, and that was in Steamboat. We played four nights okay. in a row, eight sets. Was it? It, was it wasn't the festival awesome. though. I'm misspeaking though. It's not. Wasn't Winter Wonder? It was something else. Wasn't win- Winter Wondergrass? No, yeah. it was uh, just our own thing. Oh, at it was this your venue. own thing? Yeah, at, yeah, in Steamboat. Okay. Just us, no support. Oh, four yeah. nights of beans. And, Who's the best uh, skier in the band, by the way? Oh gosh, uh, probably <laughs> or, or me or, whatever. I don't me know or Tim. Skier. Skiers or boarders, me, you guys? 
Yeah, me or Tim, we shred the hardest for sure. You guys ski or board? We we board. Uh huh. I'm a skier. I'm old. Oh, I mean, skiing is preferred. Let's be real. Like out on the mountain, it's it's funny. I I got into snowboarding because I grew up in Minnesota, and it's like it's all park there, and everyone shreds the park. So yeah, yeah. You definitely look cooler in the park on on a board. Yeah. (laughs) And then when I came out here, and I'm like, oh, there's like a whole mountain to ride. You can go in the trees. I'm like, this board sucks. Yeah, right. I definitely wish I was a skier. I'm always trying to help out the snowboarders when, like, on cat tracks. Like, I'll just be flying by and go, yeah, you exactly. want me to tow you, man? <laughs> you hold out your pole, you're a good man. Once in a while, if I really Once feel bad for somebody. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm just kind of just hurrying to the next spot. I don't know. It depends on what my mood is on the day. For sure. Always be careful. If you're a skier, always be careful the snowboarders on cat tracks, though, because you never know which direction they're going to be going in. <laughs> It's a free for all. <laughs> I talked to Joe Funk, who he, he fucking loves. He, he he gets out there a ton, man. The guy grew up in Alaska, and like, I think after this, yeah. we were after I talked to him. It was like in the middle of the winter. He was headed out to um, Alaska or Anchorage or Juneau or something to go skiing. It was um, yeah. So wow. yeah, we connected on that a little bit. Yeah, that's we kind of have always had a connection with the Kitchen Dweller Boys in that way. We we met over ten years ago when our bands were both in an infantile stage of our lives uh Mm. both college bands you know with 10 songs playing for just our local crew and so we've known those guys forever and and yeah similar interests skiing and and the outdoors and and making music yeah did you guys (laughs) so you guys connected up at like different festivals or you know they're out through colorado a ton through mutual friends out in montana now right yeah, they they were all in Montana, and we met through mutual friends and just traded shows early on. We actually booked them for their first three or four shows out here, opening for the Magic Beans, and they did the same for us out in Montana. Oh, cool, cool. So okay. we've actually been in the kitchen that the Kitchen Dwellers is based on. That's how, oh, nice. how long our story goes back. And um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah we love me, those oh, guys. Friends should just say you guys were always playing in the kitchen. You guys are kitchen dwellers. Yeah, yeah, totally. And they were. Yeah, exactly. You've actually played in that kitchen. That's awesome. They did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you guys got a uh, new album coming out, out July 6th. I'm really psyched about it. Uh, Unzipped, and it's a uh, title Unzipped, and it's an yeah. instrumental album, which is yeah. which is amazing. I love how you're... You know, you're in so many different styles, and I was looking at all your various influences that you list in your bio: um, Santana, Jeff Beck, Larry Carlton, Nile Rodgers. Uh, I think you put your dog yeah. in there. Like that, <laughs> which I love. Inspirations don't need to be musical. No way, man. My dog is total. <laughs> he's lying right there. He's totally he's inspiring you right now. Oh, yeah, he's there for every interview. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so now you're going in the instrumental direction. So talk to me a little bit about that and um, and what the thought process was and where you guys are at with it. Yeah, absolutely. It was. It's honestly was like a really fun project for us. Is how we saw it. We just did. Um, <laughs> we just did Slice of Life, which was a double album, and we recorded that through COVID. And there was a lot of songs on there, a lot of great uh, songs, and then. We just wanted to keep making music, but we were still kind of crafting more Bean songs. Mm. And the idea with this was kind of just like, what if we had like an alter ego for the band for a second? I I think like, you know, when you're a band, you create the sound and then you try to build on it every single time you put out a record and you try to mature the sound and, and dive deeper into 
the worlds that you've created and carved out within the Magic Beans. And we thought it would kind of be fun to just be like, all right, let's put that on hold. Yeah. And let's just try a completely different sound. Yeah. Um, and and luckily for us, we have this home studio that isn't set up right now, but I'm in it. <laughs> and uh, we we recorded a lot of it here. And, and um, it's just kind of based on, it's instrumental. It's kind of based on like, the lo-fi movement happening right now, the return to analog and tape machine kind mm-hmm. of vibe. There's a lot of pop musicians doing it with like Leon Bridges and and uh, Krong Bin and stuff. And then mm-hmm. there's, you know, other inspirations we draw from are like the Soul Aquarian stuff, like The Roots and, and D'Angelo. And like, and then there's all these producers doing it now, like Count Cole and... Um, Kiefer and and we just love that vibe. I love like lo-fi music, instrumental music. I think Krongbin, you know, I think it like sets a different atmosphere than like what the beans usually set. I think it's open-ended because there's not vocals kind of mm-hmm. leading you through the emotions that you're supposed to be drawing from the tune. You kind of just listen to it. it. Can be at a party, can be on a boat. I I love instrumental music for that reason. I just feel like it's it just fits so many occasions. And as a man who's surrounded by like music all the time, it's, it's not like I get sick of it, but it can be like a lot in like vocals and like, and we're like, what if there was some music that was just like a little lighter on the ears and stuff. So this music's really mellow. Mm. It's a lot of down tempo. Um, I don't know. It's just a lot of fun to make. I get that though. Sometimes I'm listening to so much stuff. Sometimes I'm like, I either just need a silent break or something Mm -hmm. that's like, a little, you know, and now for something completely different to quote Monty Python, you know, especially in the van that, for like, we'll be in the van for like 14 hours. It's like, are you going to listen to fish for 14 hours? Like, where, where, where? like for 14 hours, it's like, I love fish, dude. But after a while, it's like my head hurts. You kind of just, and yeah. that's, I think how kind of we discovered this type of music is it came on in the van a lot. And, right. and then we were like, we just want to make some, some chill vibes. <laughs> Yeah, or even or and and furthermore, play them. And that you do. Yeah. Do you plan on going out and doing like record a record release show, or combine a lot of this music, or slide a couple of these tunes into your in, into the set? Yeah. And like, I kind of see what's it sort as of the, because it's so different. What are mm-hmm. the thoughts on how that's gonna you know how that's gonna work into the set, and how are you gonna play Absolutely. those going forward? I think I think. Um... We're gonna find places for them to like fit into the jams and stuff. I, I I love that idea of like now I guess to compare it to like Fish, again, one of my uh favorite albums they did was the Sicket Disc, which is like mm-hmm. kind of like a B sides all improv record that they took off of the ghost session, Story of a Ghost. Mm-hmm. And it's all just like weird, cool music and and then They'll slide those songs. They just did it the other week, and now people are freaking out. Quadraphonic topplings. This is like the song they played, uh, and people—you can never tell if they can like put it on their checklist of songs they've seen, or if it's like just a tease. So that's kind of how we see the music. Like we could be jamming and go into these worlds that we've created through the album, yeah. and use that as a launch port for just like another. That's cool. Jam. It kind of gives you like an extra tool in your toolbox to sort of like. You know, you can kind of 
roll out of a tune and just kind of all of a sudden you guys probably like find yourself in some of these newer instrumental stuff that's like top of mind and fresh on your fingers maybe or something you like got that it. i would i would assume goose is doing that a little bit you know they have those you might be familiar they have ted tapes that they they're like rehearsal sessions that they recorded but they're like phenomenal songs and really interesting and then so they'll throw a couple of those strictly instrumental ones in and uh um kind of the same vibe so yeah very interesting that's cool i didn't know they did that i i think that's a great idea i think uh because it's still like it's just a little guidance on the improv it's like st- we're still improving, but here's like this like framework you know this framework this yeah. fugue this melody that we can toy with and then or not and then here we go off to the next thing yeah well i mean and and, it, and it's so interesting that you you come from um a world of uh, of so many different interests and styles and i definitely hear that i'm like oh yeah the jeff beck thing that definitely makes sense uh larry carlton influence makes a lot of sense by the way when i was growing up as a kid in the valley in la larry carlton was i think he was li- he must he was living in that same area like studio city sherman oak area in the valley um and i was taking um guitar lessons at valley arts guitar it was called on on ventura boulevard when i was like 11 or 12 and so he'd be coming in from time to time he was like the star guy like i mean you know like he's a legend larry carlton and uh, al dimiola I think it was Al. Wow. Was he living? Was he living there? He may have been in New York. I don't know. I don't want to drop too many names here, but I know Larry Carlton. <laughs> you know, the Steely Dan guys were in that neighborhood as well. And so, yeah. So I've always had kind of had a place in my heart for Larry Carlton. Oh, his playing is transcendent. He's the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit about your uh, your musical background. Um, uh, you grew up in Minneapolis, so you're a Prince fan. <laughs> yep. Or at least I saw some of those other influences, but the other, your other band members, I love how you put the influences on the website. I mean, then you're just sort of like, oh, well, that's why these guys are doing like bluegrassy numbers and R&B <laughs> numbers and jam and rock and so many different things. You guys are just coming from so many different areas. But yeah, um, yeah. Uh, what was it like growing up in Minneapolis? And what was the musical influence of like your family and, and how you grew up? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I um, growing up in Minneapolis, I, I'm not from a, like a musical family mm-hmm. uh, where my parents were playing music or anything, but they definitely were music fans. I grew up listening to, I think what a lot of kids in the Midwest grew up listening to classic rock. Oh, totally. That was my shit. I loved like, you know, the moment I discovered Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, yeah. the Stones, all that stuff. It was off to the races for or like, me. Or like when I talked to Bob Boylan, he's like, no, Josh, that's just rock. Yeah. <laughs> he smacked me down hard on that. Well, now I worry too. Like where people called Nirvana classic rock to me. I'm like, oh, hey, shit. hey, no, hey, no, hold up, up, hold up. With that. No, no, no. It ends in like the 70s. <laughs> but I do like so, it. It's a good way to differentiate what we're talking, like basic, the basis of, 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 you know, of rock music. From yeah. the popular era of rock, there Jimi you Hendrix, right. you know, the psychedelic era. I loved all that stuff. And then, and then wanted to play guitar, ACDC. I was like, get me an SG into my hands and I want to play some power riffs. Totally. And, uh, and, and so that's how I got into music and my parents were super supportive. I was, uh, doing band. I was a trumpet player and, and, you know, just not finding my connection with the instrument at that time. And granted, I wish I would have stayed with it because now I'm super into 
New Orleans funk and jazz and all this great trumpet music that I didn't even know trumpet could be cool back then. So I gave up on trumpet <laughs> right, right, right. and moved to guitar, trying to like chase this, the rock vibe. Yeah. And, and I played in a couple of bands. There was like no Troy smaller. Andrews at that time, no, to look yeah. to, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, or I wasn't, I wasn't hip to it, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And, um, so yeah, I just got into it kind of naturally. And then my parents got me some lessons and, uh, and from there, you know, the classic rock thing led to the Grateful Dead. Mm. And I went through a huge Grateful Dead phase and then kind of figured, found out that there were these bands making music now that was like, I compared it to classic rock. I was like, oh, here's like Fish. They sound like Yes. And here's Umphreys. They sound like Rush. And here's like, but like all those bands are gone. I can't even see them, but I can go see Umphreys for totally two good. nights. Totally, totally. And that's how I got into the music. I was like, this shit is awesome. Yeah, I know. I went from like <laughs> Floyd and Zeppelin, and then I skipped over 20 years and went to My Morning Jacket. It's like that, it's oh, that type yeah. of progression. Dude, I was just listening to Yes last night. Oh my God, their first album. Holy, I don't know why I was just so honored. I saw Natalie Cressman play at uh, at City Winery. And then that got me, they, they did a Blind Faith cover of uh, Can't Find My Way Home. And then that got oh. me into the 70s stuff. And then I went to, somehow I've seen all good people just jumped into my head. And then I went down that rabbit hole and just listened to that entire album and just sat in the car on my way home and just like, So yeah, good. Yes. There's, they're, I mean, they're obviously well known, but I would go as far to say they're underrated still. Absolutely. Um, Alan White just band's... died, their second drummer. He just died a couple okay. days ago. Oh no! Wow, that's yeah, some, yeah. Wow. I just found that out last night when I was like just oh. doing a scan, you know. Yeah, and yes, did yes is the band that did a lot of Santana backup too, right? Did I'm they? Sure I'm not familiar. Had, I don't know about that. There's, I think, I'm pretty sure lots of the band of yes. Someone's gonna comment on this po- podcast and be like, "You're wrong," <laughs> but it was another. I'm pretty sure one. It was either them or Sticks. One of the one of the like proggier bands um was was santana's backup band for a little bit and then they moved oh, really? on to I'll do their to look own, into own that. thing but um interesting i know speaking of alan white i read his obit last night and he played on a bunch of tracks and all things must pass george harrison john lennon gave oh, him a call wow. when john lennon post beatles was coming to canada playing with the plastic ono band asked him to play drums for him it was a funny it was one of those classic stories where it was john lennon calling alan white according to this obit was the story and alan was mm-hmm. like fuck you this is not john lennon <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so you hung up on it literally i would hard i would hardly believe that i got a phone call from john lennon well uh, not that's today a really funny, but yeah well not Analogously today but even speaking, then yeah yeah that's you gotta so smoke a funny. lot of weed to think that john lennon's calling you on the phone oh god yeah. jerry garcia's in my ear yeah right right <laughs> which happens a lot when you're like sitting at home <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, right. Jerry's always in my ear, man. Oh, totally. Playing doop doop doop. Totally. All right, we digress. But so, um, yeah, classic rock. Your influences. Your parents were down with your uh, with your musical choices in this direction. So you're in high school listening to classic rock and just uh, walking around in a in a private school uh, overalls <laughs> jumper outfit like uh, <laughs> close. <Young. laughs> I got kicked out of my private school uh, and I had to go to public school. There you go. There you go. <laughs> that's the. That's that's where, where all the rock it. happens anyway. At public school. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, were you in a band or how that what that looked like? You know, I was jamming with guys. I wouldn't call it a band. We definitely never played gigs. Um, yeah, my first band was Magic Beans. Uh, I started it. I moved out to college and and met some dudes with similar interests um, and similar. Moved out to where? Sim- to the Denver area. 
to Boulder. Uh-huh. I moved out to go to school at CU. Oh, nice. Some of the guys were going to school. Some of the guys were not. Boulder's a good place to just hang out as well. Yeah. Um, you don't need to go to school. And yeah. uh, <laughs> and we just kind of fell into place and um, went through a couple of lineup changes uh, throughout the college years and then kind of solidified the lineup and and started going after the magic bean thing. It was, it was definitely all for fun back in the day. And, uh, and then people started just showing up and then we just kept on doing it. Totally. Totally. So you, you sort of just maintain that high school model in college, like kind of like I did when I went to college, I went to up the road at UC Santa Barbara and I was like, okay, this looks like my high school. I'm cool. I'll go here. Yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> it was, was like kind of like logic. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of just like, um, it was an eye-opening experience for me, though, too, coming out of Minnesota out to Colorado. You get, you definitely get to meet a lot of different people, especially at CU. Uh, you know, it's California, New York people. It was kind of the yeah. first time I ever felt like a small town boy. To be honest, in my life, I was like, "Wow, there's some people that grew up in Manhattan." I did not grow up in Manhattan. <laughs> I grew up in outside of Minneapolis. Wait, so you felt like a small town? Oh, because there were so many people from all all. You didn't get a lot. Yeah, of I that just never you realized grew up in Minneapolis it, though with how that, big like the level. world was. You know, well, Minneapolis <laughs> is not like a tiny town. Oh no, no, not at all. But it's no. It's like people no, it's grow not- up on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, dude. It's like they saw yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, when yeah. they were six that I still haven't seen. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's like a whole different lifestyle. And the thing is, in Manhattan, when you just when you think you've seen everything, you are partially corrected. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it gets, God, I miss that city. Oh, it gets really bad. It gets really bad. <laughs> I lived in New York for 11 years, dude. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From like... Uh, 89 to 99 yeah i um yeah saw a lot of good, good grateful dead shows in the 90s in madison square yeah. garden yeah wow yeah 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 um so so you sort of continued you fell in in colorado with your boys and you guys started to just to jam and then sort of when did that when did that change over like people were just showing up and you're and then you sort of just threw your hat in the ring and you're like we're good enough we're gonna do this let's yeah let's get it going. yeah well, the, the, yeah, it was. We had, there was kind of a turning point um, where we we moved up the canyon in in Boulder up up Boulder Canyon to this like mountain house that was off campus, and that's where we would jam. And then we started having these parties where we would rent out a school bus <laughs> and we just send it down to the most popular bar on the hill, which is campus. Um, which was the the bar was called the Goose, and it would pick up our friends, and then it would pick up anyone else that wanted to get on the bus. Party bus, and we would just... we would just bus two hundred, three hundred people up to our mountain house, and we'd play shows up there. Fucking, and that's it was that wild, is amazing, dude. It was really wild, and it was stupid, and <laughs> there were no plans, and we drank keg beer and raged all night till the sun came up. And it kind of gave us some clout on campus, to be honest. Like people, but words were just buzzing. And at the time, I was interning at the Fox as a marketing assistant intern guy. Mm. And I basically just begged um, our GM and and talent buyer at the time, Ben Baruch, to book the band uh, as a support. And eventually, he caved in, and we brought a bunch of people for our first gig at the Fox. And and then the rest has kind of been history. Wow. Wow. So Ben was working at the Fox and that's how you guys met. Now he's like, you know, running basically 1111, right? 
Yeah. So people that don't know him, he's he's a huge inspiration for us and and just like killer out there managing some of the bigger bands like Goose and Pigeons and Ripe and uh, yeah. Big Gigantic and stuff. So he's, yeah, yep. yeah, totally good guy. Um, great guy, as a matter of fact. Uh, wow, that's amazing. Sending a school bus up the road and just picking up people. <laughs> wow. And we basically There's just like told just them the bus. so much liability going on there. Who's driving oh, the bus? Yeah. <laughs> and we were renting this house. Like, the guy had no idea we were doing that. <laughs> great. But the house great. had, like, the house had some vibes previous. It actually was uh, Pretty Light's house before us. And that's where he was starting his music project. So it was kind of has a cool, like, little... You know, if someone ever buys that house, it's got a little cool musical history in it. There's been a lot of cool music. Yeah, in it's there. like two steps removed from Seven Ten Ashbury. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it literally two steps. It was uh, seven thirty. That was the seven thirty four mile, and we would always joke that we were just two doors down from Seven Ten. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, it's like an alternate universe. Well, that's a, that's amazing. So you started to do that, and then uh, and then how did sort of the bookings and when did you guys sort of branch out from? Um, from the from the Denver and Boulder area, what'd that look like? Yeah, basically after, you know, people had completed schooling and whatnot. You graduated? And we've been, and yeah, and we were di- or dropped out. Or, which uh, one? I, I, you can't I, remember. I, I finished. Oh, right. uh, I had an environmental studies degree. That was uh, nice. my dream at the time to work in the parks department. Um, and still maybe my backup dream. If this music thing doesn't shake out, I can go work in a <laughs> national forest and play my music for myself um but uh yep i finished school and then you know because we were having such good response from the band i was like i would be remiss to not see where this could lead you know i could always live in regret of not seeing this through Mm. so we started kind of touring smaller like try to get a booking agent or i booked a lot of them and we did really dumb tours like our first tour me and casey and our our other guitarist, mandolinist at that time were all from Minnesota. And then our bassist was from Florida. So we booked two shows in Minnesota and two shows in Florida. Oh, and nothing in between. And, and then Memphis <laughs> in between. That was the only thing I could find. Just cold calling venues, dude. Oh, and like, totally. uh, so we go all the way up there and then we go all the way down. It was f- freaking hilarious. Yeah, and yeah. so those were our first tours. They were haphazard. And, and then, you know, I think such as life a couple of the guys kind of didn't know if that was going to be their journey for the rest of their life they didn't know if they had the five-year ten-year plan in them you know that it was kind of just started as fun so yeah we uh which is a great way to start which is a great way to start things oh yeah Yeah, and that's always been the foundation of the band for sure yeah but they decided that to move on um two of our members our bassist and an extra guitar player mandolinist hunter and josh good Mm -hmm. friends um still good friends to this day and uh and then we brought on Chris Duffy at bass and left it at four people because we were digging that sound and it was easier to fit into a van. And we've been touring <laughs> with that lineup ever since. The first, the fifth person kind of puts you over the limit, I guess. Yeah. And then just kind of slowly adding to the crew, you know, we brought on our lighting guy, Tim Farquhar, who's been with us for over five years or, or longer now. And, and now we have a new sound guy. So just slowly building the team, building the equipment and and uh, taking it one step at a time. Yeah, well, you talked about having a degree in environmental studies. Is that something that you're really that that you are interested in? Or oh yeah, I'm extremely passionate about the outdoors. Uh huh. Yeah. And what what sort of what like what field specifically, and what what kind of turns you on about it? 
Well, I'm I'm really turned on by the biology of it. That was definitely fat and fa- fascinates me in like um, ecology, trees, uh, basically ar- arborist arborism and stuff like that. And and there's a huge problem out here with you know fires and then the the pine beetle kill, which is creates dead trees and fallen trees that help feed the fires mm. and all this stuff. So I was kind of interested in maybe going into forestry yeah. or something like that. It just fascinates me. Biology is incredible. When you think about it, it's like this like ancient technology, almost like the fact that our bodies themselves are made up of like several separate components that like run your body. And now we're having a conversation. Oh, it's and like, bonkers. you have like yeah. a house and stuff like this is pretty wild. What? Uh, <laughs> so that yeah. just kind of, it just blows me away. The whole thing. It, I just was naturally attracted to it. And then I'm passionate for sustainability and, and, and outdoor preservation and conservation. I think it's literally the most important thing ever. Do you try to I work think- that into the ethos of the band at all and how you guys operate from a sustainability perspective we we try our best i i think um we're pretty good on the road of of cutting down on waste and you know we bring our water bottles and do what we can um but it, it, we're driving around in a car that's dr- on fossil fuels so yeah I, I i'd love to live when i'm at home i definitely live as as small imprint as i can and when we're on the road we try to bring that but i think inherently the road is not a sustainable place unfortunately but Hopefully with these that's that was part of kind of our our discussion about doing multiple night runs and stuff out on tour is is cutting back on travel expenses and and waste and moving around and all this stuff so hopefully that'll help. Yeah, until they try to until they build a 15 passenger van that's a run electric or hybrid it's going to be difficult to do that but I think it's a bit easier than flying. I mean, I know you guys aren't considering flying, but I've spoken to some artists that are like that can make that decision and and they they still chose to to drive because it's just less impact and less, you know, more sustainable, I guess. I don't know what you can really do other than yeah, do multiple nights or just mm-hmm. try to be cognizant of it and mm-hmm. um in, in some way. Well, yeah, I actually Anthony Thogmorton from Papadozio several years back he's i know he's also very passionate about uh the environment and sustainability Mm. and there are some arguments happening about oh well you stand on that pedestal but here you are touring around blah 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 and he actually put together a spreadsheet of like waste and and all this stuff that on tour compared to because you're basically condensing five six seven guys into one lifestyle so he theorized uh, with actual numbers and proof that it was less impactful than them living in separate house with separate heating bills and separate during that, this. During and, that particular time. During that yeah, period. Everyone so would be it, going off and driving and doing whatever their thing is. Yeah, or, or even just staying at home. That, it, ma- it's, that makes you, you feel better. It might be, like, oh, yeah. So, it made me feel better, too. Maybe I should dig that stuff up or give him a call and be like, yeah. <laughs> well, no, it numbers. sounds... That sounds reasonable. It also, at the same time, it sounds like a guy who's trying to rationalize that, like going on tour is 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 sustainable and has less it of is. an impact. But it probably, it probably does. It probably does. It's probably yeah. I haven't really done the math on that, but it's an internal battle, man. It's it's. I do my part when I'm home, and 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 part of what I learned in college was, you know, there's definitely that huge movement, and still is like you know, cut down on your shower and only do you know. 
this amount of yard work and stuff, and that's really good. But what what it really comes down to, if we're going to enact actual changes, that the large corporations and users of natural resources are going to have to change their their approaches to it, because you know, there's like the meat industry and manufacturing industries and shipping industries and all that stuff are yeah. are the big users of fossil fuel and and other natural resources. So. That's going to have to be the focus. It, 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 I, honestly, we could all shorten our showers, and it's not going to equal one day of what's happening in some of these large corporations. Well, so. Although, if everybody does, I guess you know, it does make an there is an impact there. I mean, to raise awareness, I think is is the best thing that you can do. It's super important to I do. I mean, what other you can. than like, drive a hybrid, become vegan, or eat less red meat for the less of an environmental <laughs> impact from that standpoint. Yeah, um, you know, those are things I'm definitely cognizant about. Uh, recycling and separating out your trash and composting if you can. I mean, I live in a urban environment. I try to do what I can. I'm not going to, I don't have a compost pile in my back steps or something like that. Chicago's really f- progressive with, with that sort of stuff though. You guys have a great uh, recycling program and, and like green roof initiative and all those great things for an urban area. I, I I'd rate Chicago pretty high. Yeah, I wouldn't know. You would. I. I just. I'm not. Yeah, even, don't even have feel my good finger about on it, that honestly. pulse. I have no idea. I think I'm putting. I'm separating out my trash and I'm putting it in a blue trash can in the back of our of our building. And I just think they come and pick it up and mix it with every fucking other thing. I have no <laughs> idea. I'm just you know, super cynical about it. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. it's hard not to know. be. I think I, that's the that that exact thing about doing what you can is if you try to think about what other people should do, it takes away from like your sphere of of influence and it's like really all you can do in your daily basis is your bet in your daily basis is is your best and and to try to and if you worry about these large-scale problems every day it, it can be a hard life to live because there's a lot of bad news in the world and there's a lot of things moving in negative directions mm-hmm. and and you know i think the best way to just stay positive in that is to do what you can so. Yeah, and and you have such a positive attitude, Scott. It just it, it feels like you've got a super positive vibe. Is that talk to me about your own personal philosophy and how you kind of are, are you an actually positive person like it appears? <laughs> I mean, just dispel me of that I, notion because I'm thinking like there's some kind of magic going on with you to just put that no. metaphor out there. I think um I think lots of times I'm positive just to convince myself to be positive. But that's, if that makes that, any that's sense. actually that's that's what it fucking takes sometimes, man. I think because I you think can you be negative to... if you let those negative voices take over and then all of a sudden, you know, so that's what you need to do. That's not that's not like a fucked up funny thing. That's like okay. what needs to happen, right? <laughs> You're right. You need to like rewire your brain to be I definitely was that's like That's kind of jump... what you're doing. Yeah, you, I personally, jump, I think, yeah, and I applaud. Yeah, that. I'm working on it, man. You just I didn't really know am. Like, until we talk. No, I, I honestly am cognitively working on <laughs> oh, it because cool, that was my cool. thing. Is to, I would jump to the first negative thing that could happen. You know, if like we broke down randomly, the first thing I was like, I would think is, oh, the, you know, the show's canceled and it's gonna cost a sh- bunch of money and it's all bad things and, and, I think it's important to get your brain. Obviously, you don't want to just forget that bad things can happen, but like to jump straight to the to the possibilities of good things happening uh, so you don't go down a hole. And, and that comes with just like, yeah, rewiring what your what how your brain thinks. And, and, and it comes with. I don't want to say faking it till you make it, but in some way, some ways it is, you know, you just really need to, like, keep your 
Like keeping your mind positive is an active thing. I don't just wake up every day and I'm like, fuck yeah, today's the greatest day in the world. You know what I mean? Right. Like some days I wake up and I'm really not feeling it. And but but I feel like being an adult and being like a mature person is evolving your brain to to be the controller of your own emotions and and I th- and I think deep down I am a positive person. I think usually things keeping me from being positive are neuroses and and mental obstacles that I'm trying to alleviate from my life. So it's always just a process, man, of trying to be yeah. a better person. That's extremely well said, dude, and I would have to agree like 110% on that. I think there's so many different voices in your head that that points you in a different direction than the one that you know that you want to be on on that road, for example. I know that was an inelegant sentence, but I think you know what I'm talking mm. about. No, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a factor... And you face this a lot. You're going on the road. There's so many things. Like just to take a micro example, there's so many things that could go wrong. And you guys had a van breakdown. You guys had shit fucking stolen, right? Yeah. Uh, and I and and you created the GoFundMe, which we can talk about, which you've talked about numerous times. But that and shit can happen. Um, but you don't know that that shit's going to happen. But if you start spinning out in your head that that shit's going to happen, you know, yeah. that's a hard road. You don't need to fight a battle until the battle's in front of you and you need to fight it if, exactly. to look at it from that's one good. perspective. Or, or you're already starting from a step back, man. And then it's like you get blindsided by by good things that happen, like on our recent tour where I, we broke down and I'm immediately thinking we're going to cancel the whole tour. And, oh, and shit. Here, here we post online. People are offering to pick us up. People are offering uh, all this stuff, That's and it's fantastic. like, and here we are back. We miss one show, and we're back on the road. and And I spent three hours thinking I was going to puke for no reason when I could have just kept a, a positive mental attitude. It's really hard <laughs> under duress, man. It's really hard there's a, under there's duress. Mostly, mostly being a musician is adversity. It, it really is not mm. to like lament and be like my job's so hard because it's not, but like. It really is, man. It's a lot of hitting up, especially early on, it's a lot of hitting up venues and having them tell you no. It's a lot of hitting up agents and having them tell you no. It's a lot of people saying no. A lot of people you're showing your art to and they're like, no. You show up to the venue, no one's there. You know what I mean? It's like, it is really hard. And I, I, it's been a hard road, but I think part of my perspective now has come from all that adversity Mm. and, and realizing that if I'm going to stick with this career, I need to see the forest through the trees and the magic through the beans. <laughs> no, but uh, like, but for real, and just realize that, like, like we started the conversation talking about. There's Red Rocks days and there's freaking Wednesdays in Iowa for forty people, and it's like that's just going to be the journey. And I need to be able to handle the ups and downs, or I need to remove myself and find a more copacetic like level-headed office job. If that's what you really want, man, go for it, you know? And, and, and that works for some people, but I think for me, I, I enjoy the dips. So how much of, how much does your own music and your own craft help buoy you through those moments? It's everything, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like we, we live for those two hours that we perform. It's, it's everything. And it's, it's literally the fuel that keeps this thing going. I mean, We've been through fights and and breakdown, everything, man. And and when you get on that stage, it it really does change everything. And and it's you know we've gone from not talking to each other to hugging after shows and stuff. It's just like it's it's the reason you're out there. And and trying to keep that at the forefront of it is really important. 
And I think that's been our focus since COVID is like music first now, man. Uh, no more of this like bullshit, like play the right cover here and all this random like I feel like there's a lot of games to be played, especially in the jam world. And let's get this right up and let's capture this content. And, and we kind of just decided that that wasn't for us. And we just really want to make music. And, and we started with unzipped and now we already just started working on our next record. I'll probably be up before the end of the year. And we're going to start working on another one. And we're just going to keep putting out music. That's just like the only thing that matters. So you're saying you guys are the jam band community iconoclasts in other words. (laughs) What? <laughs> if I can throw that word out there, I think that could be what a first time mean? you should kind of just going against the grain because oh, you want okay, to like okay. with, with with a real strong theory and 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 purpose that doesn't necessarily intentionally go against it, but in the big picture, kind of doing things a little bit differently because you're individualistic. I was sort of just yeah. kidding, but I gave you No, that. I get it. That's I, funny. I, you know, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, but I, in, in some ways, it is part of our ethos to push the jam band mold. I think it's funny. Sometimes I think that the scene is can be funny. Like, I'm from it. Like, I, I've seen 60 fish shows, 100 on free yeah. shows. Like, so this is my scene. You're this is my it. community. Yeah, 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 but yeah. at the same time, it's like, not without its faults and hilarity. And I feel like there's some, like you see bands just chase these same things and and then they start to develop kind of the same sound. And it almost is like this like inbred jam band sound where I just, some people, I can't tell the difference between your bands, bro. And it's like not to cast any shade at all. And I can't even think of the bands I'm talking right about right now because there's a lot of great bands, but like, we just want to really bring something different to the to the scene, and if that rubs people the wrong way, who are expecting like a more fish sound or like to sound like something, then I, I don't know. Tough shit. You obviously don't like the magic beans because we're just going to be all over the board. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not really fair to like presuppose that there's a particular jam feel. I think it's more of a it's it's a vibe and it's an attitude and it's coming at a particular genre with certain values that then yeah. that community I think there's a val there's values based in that community. Um but the, then there's also sort of a, a wide variety of different bands that that subscribe to those values and their musical vibe may not be for everybody and that's yeah but that's also that you could also use that statement and apply it to the entire world of music as well Uh it's just that there's one particular community that stays very close-knit and has certain characteristics that make it really appealing to a lot of people for a lot of varying even individualistic reasons Uh uh-huh if that makes sense i think that's the best oh totally i think the jam scene is the best scene ever i love how rabid the fans are i love the feedback i like um i like the diaspora of of sounds you get from it i mean it opened my world to everything like to go back to my early musical influences like when i discovered string cheese i i bought their dvd and i discovered i discovered ricky skaggs and kentucky thunder and i discovered bluegrass music which Mm. i'm addicted to i love bluegrass music i never would have discovered that music without yonder mountain string band so there's, and and fish and like they they introduce you to these bands like the Talking Heads and and all these bands they cover you know Herbie Hancock these these like deep cut legends that I feel like some people could go their whole life never discovering and like these musicians 
open the door to these other worlds of music and like galactic is in the jam scene, oh, but totally. they opened my world to New Orleans funk music, which changed my life. Just saw and, them, man. And I love them. And I got to see them in New Orleans at Tipitina's. Oh, they fucking rock shit, man. Halloween guys. weekend. Oh God. And they got Angelica Jelly Joseph playing with them now, singing for with them. I don't know how long she's been with them, but wow, she's just amazing. And you, you, they own Tipitina's now. Oh, they do as a band. They bought it uh, from the owner because it was going to get bought by like a developer or something. And they swooped in and they're like, "Nope." <laughs> That's just a recent development. Yeah, it was. I think it was like right at the beginning of COVID. So a couple of years oh, ago, okay. they bought they bought Tipitina's and um, and yeah. So they've been doing a great job and. You got to see them in their in basically their living room. <laughs> it was it was amazing. It was one of the best shows of 2021. Oh man, me. I miss Jazz Fest, dude. I'm jealous right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one of my my uh, one of my daughters is going to Tulane. My my middle my middle kid is going to Tulane, so I get to be down there from time to time. But I didn't go to Jazz Fest this year. I'm, hopefully, I'll be able to do it next year. Um, is it the Green Wave? Go Green Wave or the, green? yeah, the green, yeah, I think it is Green, green Wave. Tide or green, something. Yeah, something like that. Oh, she's she doesn't listen to this, so if I like, screw up the I don't know. If there's any other Tulane graduates, I apologize. The Green Wave, yeah, that sounds familiar. I don't know. She's not on the sports team, so there you go. Yeah, it's not like you're watching them on the final four or anything like that. I have <laughs> yeah, no yeah, idea yeah. what's going on. Um Yeah, so so yeah, so there's so many different influences in the jam band community, but um how do you feel Magic Beans kind of fits into that world? I don't know. Um or not. I think I think well we do definitely. We're we're a jam band. We're out there jamming. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. I, I love the moniker. I embrace it. Um I think we fit in. We were just talking about that. Like what what we are to other people, like by third party perspective, like because I think there's things we think we are. But like when you go to a show and you like see Umphreys, you're like, there's like these words that get thrown out. Well, they're like heavy, and then they like, uh, and they rock, and they groove, and and yeah. and then there's words you would use for different bands. And I always wonder what people see the Magic Beans as because we're we're not the most self aware band ever. We don't we don't have like this grand idea of what the band is and that's why we play mm. a lot of different genres and stuff like our grand idea of the band is that we're really passionate musicians and yeah and we're four guys with different interests and we're trying to get that all out there that's the band so but i think our niche in the scene is is we do some like r&b kind of soul stuff uh in like retro funk stuff that i think is kind of original for our band mm -hmm. um especially on the last release and like we'll do like jams and with like hip-hop 808 beats and electronic drums and yeah and we'll do some like house based music like lots of us are really into like djing house music so we'll try to get as much of that into the sound we're all all over yeah no i mean i started out <laughs> saying how amazingly and just beautifully eclectic you guys are I, I i fucking love it and then i love how you're fitting kind of a bluegrass kind of jammy grass uh vibe into kind of like a rock song like if that makes any sense i mean that makes sense mm -hmm. to you yeah you fucking created it what am i saying <laughs> It sort of makes sense. I get what you're saying. I don't know why or how we did it, but that is what it sounds like. Yeah, right? Okay, so I'm like I'm not going crazy on that. No, no. Um Beanstalk number 10 coming up. Beanstalk yeah. X. Um <laughs> Did you guys do it last year? Yeah. Just, okay. We did a reduced capacity event last year. Mm -hmm. Um 
And then I was the just year curious. Before, this was like the first one that was back after COVID, but nope. And then we did during the main COVID, we did two drive-in beanstalks uh, oh, up right in Fort on. Collins. Oh, right on. So talk to me about uh, beanstalk coming up June twenty third through the twenty fifth. Just coming up in just a couple of weeks. You yeah, be stoked. Be- I'm stoked. And this beanstalks is the th- shit. This is Magic Beans, like their your festival. Yeah. This is you're the putting basis this thing of, together, man. Wow, of the band it is it really encapsulates the whole spirit and ethos of the band. Um, we get to play three sets, three long sets, and then we bring in some of our favorite bands from the nation, and then a lot of the local bands, and then the whole team, the local Colorado team, and from the country flies out. It's awesome. Uh, it's at a very special place called Rancho Del Rio, which is. Just about half hour past Vail, and it it sits right on the Colorado River. Oh wow! So uh, it's a beautiful spot, right in the mountains, yeah. and you can you can raft all day and get in the water. You can there's bike trails. I mean, it's everything Colorado you could ever ask for. And then starting around four o'clock, we start music, and that goes till two a.m. And this year we got Dopapod, Aqueous, Magic Beans, Main Squeeze. Right Orchard on. Lounge cycles, so we're really pumped. It's 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 really special up there. It's hard to put like compare Rancho to anything. I I really do think it's it's like a world class place to see music, and and I know bands that we drag out there feel the same way. Yeah, like we've dragged out like not outdoors people to to be to say it lightly, like like oh, Ghost Note, be, like I, I'm in that category. Yeah, like Brooklyn cats, you know, urban cats, Chicago and they get out there and they're are... like, holy shit, we are in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And then they just like dig it. And it, I think it brings something out of the music. Um, that's why we love bringing jam bands up there because they have the, the openness within their music to embrace the the atmosphere and the environment they sound them, they find themselves in. Yeah, yeah. So that's what's really cool about it. So is this. Um... Is this an amphitheater, like a Red Rock sort of natural amphitheater, or is it just a, like a place to play music and happens to be outdoors? <laughs> it's just outdoors. I, I don't mean to, to diminish it. You know what I mean? No, 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 I'm no. Trying no, to no. just get a feel because I've never got been a, there. It's got a green hill that slopes up, and oh, then okay. at the bottom of the hill, we put um, we put the stage. There's been ah, events okay. happening there for a long time, so we didn't, you know, write the book on it. Our our Older Brother Festival, Yarmony Grass started doing stuff up there, and there mm-hmm. was camp out for the cause and whatnot, and and that's how we found about found out about it. So, and you're organizing this festival as well as performing there. Yeah, I and, I run the entire festival, and me and my partner, booking it and doing doing everything. Wow, how many hats yeah, are you wearing? Work. It looks like you're only wearing one hat right now, but holy shit, how do you and pull that like, off, man? That's a that's a ton of work. Oh man, it it really is. It gets luckily we're in year ten, um, so it is a lot of like repeating what has worked before as far mm-hmm. as like the infrastructure. Um, we're not starting from scratch there, but it, it is it, it's a lot of work booking the bands. Colorado's a very competitive market. There's a lot of bands that yeah are are fighting for those Red Rock slots. Um, there's a lot of bands that have their idea. Like people always have a plan of how they're gonna approach Colorado and hit Colorado. So. You kind of need to uh, fit into that plan in order to get the bands. And lucky for us, we landed some really good ones this year. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so, how was this different from uh, from prior ones? You guys, ex- you're just excited to get out there and do like the full one. What's that going to feel like for you? What's the the impact that that's going to have? Just being out. Yeah, there it'll be the like first full one back. Yeah. Um, and 
I don't know. How will it be different? Though the band's sounding better than we've ever sounded before, so I'm yeah. really excited to go do that and just make the music part of it. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just think the music or the world needs this sort of thing more than ever. So I'm just excited for people to re- retouch into that. I, I, I to to go on a little tangent. I when yeah. we showed up to Dome Fest, I, uh, I like had a re awakening of my passion for festivals mm. and and the whole scene in general just because you know i've been locked up in my home and even when we went on tour there's a lot of um isolation quarantining i'm not i'm usually one to like go into the crowd after every show and kick it with the fans totally. shake hands kiss babies <laughs> um meet some people and and uh that's just been not happening and the events you go to you're very separated and it was extremely cathartic, uh, like putting myself in that situation. I think there's people that are still have yet to have that moment. I think they're still waiting out COVID or maybe just haven't felt the desire to put themselves out there yet. Mm-hmm. But I know a lot of people are planning on doing that at Beanstalk for the first time. I've talked to them and like, well, I'm just kind of waiting for Beanstalk or, and, and I'm just excited to see the look on their face when they're like completely reminded of the magic of what the fuck is going on at these events. Yeah. And I encourage everyone out there who thinks they're done with music festivals or moved on from that part of your life to even just get a single day ticket to a music festival or go to one of the smaller ones that are easier to navigate and like reimmerse yourself in that thing. And I think you'll feel your heart open up a lot and not re- even realize how closed it was from this whole fucking pandemic. Cause right. it's really, there's a lot of people in some unhealthy mental and physical ways after that. I know I was a little bent out and whacked out, totally. you know, everyone was, yeah, how yeah. could you not? Yeah, this shit exactly. was crazy. Yeah. And so I really urge people to try to put themselves out there again, um, whether it's at Beanstalk or whatever and, and get that, get that reminder of, of, why we live life in general and fight these fights to stay alive. It's not just to exist. It's to like have experiences that fulfill us and, and create community. Yeah. Have you been seeing what's, what's been the impact of going, getting back out there? Have you seen, cause you seem to be talking about um, that wonderment, if you will, of being at a show and having forgotten what that was like. Um, have you seen a lot of individuals and fans that, that, Perhaps would, they're just getting back out there now, and um, you know, what are you seeing in that regard from out there on the road? Yeah, uh, well, we've had a lot of people break their their concert, whatever hiatus Drought. for the beans Drought. on these on these yeah on these tours, and had people crying. Yeah, Literally, yeah. I've I've several people just being like, and and it really comes down to like you don't even realize how much you need it. Right, you right. think you yeah, need yeah, it, yeah. and you go, and you're like, "Well, I, I need this. I need to go out. I need this." And you say it to yourself, and then you get there, and you're literally fucking floored with the emotion of of what is actually happening there. And you're like, "Wow, right. this is why I fell in love with this in the first place." And and I think we we're we were jaded and spoiled when COVID was coming. I people were seeing shows every weekend, and I'm going to three festivals, and and you start to just become numb to like the just like the base things that are happening there and the magic of the community and the music. And, and it's very primal and instinctual to humans to like get in a field and fucking hammer on our drums (laughs) and listen to the jams and close your eyes and hug each other. And it's just like, it's really cool to see 
people reconnect with that um, after kind of being out of it. Yeah. And talking about vibe, though, Scott, what's your um, what's the feeling when you're on stage and you're sort of you're up there and you're 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 being you're able to project a particular vibe out there vis-a-vis the songs or the music that you're playing? Tell me about what your mindset is and how do you get your brain around what you're actually projecting and what you're actually putting into the air that others are enjoying? What's that impact on you? Yeah, that's a good question, man. I, 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 I look at it as as a really big responsibility to be up on the bandstand and and being the like creator of the sounds at that moment, mm. especially at these festivals where there's cycling in different bands. And I, I feel a responsibility to honor the intention placed into that moment. I'm I'm really big on like as a music promoter, I I know all the ends of of what goes on to a show. And I know that people built the stage and people brought water and set up shit and like brought their <laughs> vending here. And yeah. like, dude, it's like, this is, it's an insane, it's, it's easy to just think, Oh, we hopped in the van and here we are and we're going to gig. And there's a good crowd here at this festival, but it's really the culmination of, you know, months of work for some people, for some people, it's the biggest week of their entire year. For some people, it's the only time they're going to get out, et cetera, et cetera. Some people are coming from, I just got over a sickness. Some people are coming from, I don't know. There's just like a lot of responsibility. So I just try to put out the best energy I can, but in some way I almost try to get out of the way too. I've sometimes when I overthink about what's happening on stage, things can just go South or I just lose touch. So I'm a big close your eyes and and go full send uh, (laughs) with your, with your heart and your head. And yeah, and you know when things aren't working musically you just smile through it best you can and and um and just honor honor all the all the work and and intention that went into that moment i think the time for overthinking it and planning and rehearsing is like before you get on stage i i'm really a big fan of when i when stage time hits it's it's all emotion and it's all motor memory and, and instinct now I'm, I'm not gonna try to yeah will for sure. my way will it into a good show we've done that too where we're like this show has to be the best fucking show we've ever played <laughs> yeah because it's a headliner that, how does that show you, end up to be typically it's always the worst <laughs> wow. or, or it's the or it's the same as the other ones and because you set this expectation now all of a sudden that's not good enough for you <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's a difficult cycle to kind of be in because if you put too much pressure on it, then you're thinking about it too much, and then sort of, and then that comes out the on the other end that you're not really sure. Well, you just get too many comparisons going on in your head. But I understand what you're saying. When you get out there, you want to be focused and you you do your thing. But um, there does seem to be a realization to you that it's kind of it's 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 a it's a it's bigger than just being out there and 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 playing their other you're impacting so many individuals and uh especially your own festival uh getting out there and doing your thing and doing your craft with your buddies is it that, that's kind of it, it's heavy man there's a there's a, there's just a lot going on up there that 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 clearly has an impact on you but I mean, you, you, you correctly say that you can't be thinking about all those things in the moment, but here we are, you know, it's, it's constantly on my mind. Uh, but luckily when I get up there, I'm, I'm able to, to think, to, to empty that, 
that part of it when I when I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's always there, man. At the back, it's know, like what we were talking like, about before, just having those two those two dual tracks of thought processes, right? And exactly. it's exactly and ho- it's, it's it, honing on the pure one, man. Like follow follow the pure instinct. I, I have a feeling most people at at their core are really good, and their and their main voice is telling them to, to do the right thing, and mm. and a lot of you know what you realize is you got to get all the other trash that the world has put into your brain and all the you can't do that or they'll think you're dumb or this and you need to scoop all that stuff out of the way and get back to the very pure center of it and um and that's that's what you go for totally totally <laughs> tell me about this new material you guys are working on you're 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 sort of you're in the studio now are you guys just rehearsing it or what's that when what's that going to look like can you give us some clues it's going to be is it going to be totally. instrumental again no, no, we're going back to the to the beans model. <laughs> right on. This is going to be our, our best record ever. It was cool. We we just um we just went up to my cabin, which is in northern Minnesota, after this revival music festival, mm-hmm. and we set up our music studio at the cabin, and we started tracking some new songs. And um, this is like a really. It's going to be like a really from the heart record. Uh, we're really trying to get back into writing the music together. Um, I think sometimes with lots of bands and certainly our bands, people come in with songs written and demos and things are almost already hashed out all the way or something. And we're trying to really hone in on on what it is we are as a band mm-hmm. and, and try to overcome some of those hurdles that are maybe – a lot easier to do alone together and see and see if our communication can get us through those processes and mainly like vocals and stuff. I think that's a really personal, personal journey for a lot of people. Like when you're going to go write some poetry for the song or whatever, it's like, it's hard to do in a group format. And that's something I think we're really trying to, to hone in on and, and, and get everyone's voices into these songs. And there's going to be some, a lot of acoustic stuff on it, and so you guys go really in and write lyrics together. In the, in the moment, do. wow! Yeah. Is that is that your has that been your process prior to this? No. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a big songwriter. I write a lot of the like lyrical heavy songs. Um, Casey's great songwriter. Um, he writes some some great songs, and uh, but it's always just kind of been. Yeah, like four four heads of a monster or whatever, and we're really trying to like bring it closer with each process of of a band and like a group of four people, and mm. it, it's really hard, you know. Uh, and it's not common for a lot of people, even you know, Fish. I'm sure Trey brought all the songs, and with the Dead, it was always you know these songwriting teams bringing the music in, and yeah. Um, so so we'll see what happens, and, and there's. There's some songs on it that'll still be that way, but yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. You guys are, you guys are killing it. You're doing so many great, so many great things. What's um, what's on the Thanks, docket man. for uh, for touring after after um, after Beanstalk? Yeah, we got a lot of good festivals happening. Um, Jam packed festival in in Richmond, Virginia, and uh, this Bears Picnic Festival, which is in Pennsylvania, and um, Trout Stock in Albany. And meeting of the minds in in Maryland, we're we're lucky to play all these great like mid sized festivals, mm-hmm. and and that's a cool stage we're finding ourselves in where we're getting to like go in and headline some of the smaller ones, right on. which is cool because like when you play the big ones, 
they'll kind of put you at noon sometimes or whatever, which is cool. But it's cool to go in and kind of have people be like, no, you guys, because like you said, we like to bring the lights. We like to bring the full yeah. vibe. So it's cool that to, to be given the primetime slot and, and see if, if that works for us and we, and if we can be a primetime headlining band, you know, and so I'm really excited to do a bunch of those uh, festivals and then we're going to do a fall tour and, and like I said, do a lot of, uh, or a few multiple night runs on that tour. Right on. Um, well, I hope you come out. I hope you come out in the Midwest and come through Chicago. We do. We plan on right it. on, right on. Yeah, man. And then awesome. we're just going to keep honing in on, on what the hell it is we're doing out here and trying to become, a better band and, and better people. That's always the main journey. Totally. You guys are doing such a great job at that, man. I love you guys. And, Thanks, dude. And uh and you're you're just you're you're killing it, Scott. And this was um this was so cool. Thanks for coming on the show and I'm so glad we got to catch up and and I got to find out that Austin's gonna be in Chicago today, your tour manager. So and I'd planned on seeing that show. I didn't even know he was gonna be there. So that's really exciting. And so uh, awesome. yeah, yeah, we're just uh, we're just crossing paths all the time, and that's and that's wonderful. And I'm so psyched for you guys. And I love this new instrumental material. And uh, I wish I could make it out to Beanstalk, but I'm going to come see you guys soon enough. So <laughs> I'd encourage we'll everybody to, to check out the whole catalog and check out Magic Beans on uh, on tour, man. Absolutely, it was so good to talk to you, Josh. You're a good dude. Thanks. You're one of the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, brother. You too, man. Can't wait. Can't wait to hang out with you again, dude. Seriously. Yeah. Thanks again for being here. Okay, that was Scott Hatchie of The Magic Beans. I just love Scott's vibe. I love talking to him. I'm just down for a conversation with Scott. Anytime, he is such a pleasure to chat with, as you all heard. Um, I my absolute favorite story is the party bus in uh, in Boulder. Uh, you know, you'd pick up a bunch of friends on the way, uh, have a house up in the hills. I think it was like seven thirty was the street because we joked about it being close to seven ten for seven ten Ashbury uh, in the hate in the sixties where the dead lived. But um, you know, just picking up people, playing with his buds, and just he got the ball rolling when he was a student at Boulder studying environmental studies, and that's kind of just how it starts. You know, and he was working as an intern in the Fox Theater uh, with Ben Baruch of the Eleven Eleven Productions, and um, uh, that that in itself is a is a fantastic story. He convinced Ben to book the Beans at that show uh, or at that that venue, and you know, sort of went on from there. And um, of course, you know, if you're a listener of Road Case, I like talking about mental health. Um, Scott's a real advocate of just positivity and that that notion of being able to rewire your brain sort of on a fake it till you make it uh, type of attitude where, you know, if, if, if you look at things in a positive fashion and don't get too mired down in the rabbit hole of negativity, um, things will just end up right. I mean, because that's kind of all you can do. You don't want to like dig yourself a hole of negativity where everything's going to be bad. He says, if, you know, he talks about being, being a musician is adversity and how you deal with it. And it's the sort of the, it's, he says, it's really, really hard, you know, keeping that positive mental attitude. And as you can hear from Scott's voice and what he talks about and, 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 uh, and just his general vibe, he really, he, he puts that into practice really, really well. And I really admire that. Uh, about Scott. Beans have a new album coming out 
Unzipped coming out on July 6th. Look, really looking forward to that. Um, and of course, their festival Beanstalk takes place in Colorado on June 23rd and 26th, featuring Dopapod, Aqueous, Main Squeeze, Cycles, among others. You can check out more information about that festival on their on the Magic Beans website. And of course, on June 17th, they just just came out a new single from the upcoming album. The single's called Embrace. So check that out as well. And uh, make sure to go to the Magic Beans website for their tour dates and go check these guys out and go go say hi to Scott. He's, um, he's so open and fun to chat with uh, at a show. Uh, please go say hi. Uh, I know he'll love that. And uh, thanks again to everyone for being here on this episode of Roadcase. I'm so happy that you've been along for this ride. Uh, and I want to send a a special thank you to my friend Scott Hatchie of the Magic Beans for being here on this episode of Roadcase. Thanks again so much for listening. And I'd like to encourage everyone to get involved with Roadcase. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can email me at info at roadcasepod.com with questions, comments, and even suggestions for guests. Or you can follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at RoadcasePod. And we have a YouTube channel called Roadcase Podcast. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And if you could please rate and review the podcast while you're there, that would be great. So I want to thank Waltzer for this awesome theme music that we have. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening to Roadcase. We have a lot of great episodes coming up, so I'll see you on down the road. <laughs>